Hey everybody, welcome to Public Access America's Just, Just the, the Tip. tip. Our t- our number one tip for better beer care, bitter, wow. bitter, bitter beard care, our bitter for bitter, bitter, <laughs> bitter for bitter beard care. Go to now. I lost the name. <laughs> number one tip for better beard care. <laughs> Go to the Stone and Steel. Love it. It is time now for something positive. Be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. Problem can only be solved when there is a kind of coalition of conscience. Conscience. Because that is how it works. This is the beginning, it is not the finale, and that's why we're here, and that's why we rally, 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 rally. We've got to be that creative minority. Creative minority. A way to get in the way. I got in trouble. It was good trouble. It was necessary trouble. Frankly, I know we've got to do something. Do something. Sometimes I just sit there meditating for the like three or four minutes. And then the ding just shocks me back. <laughs> Welcome back to Earth. <laughs> Welcome back to Earth. Welcome back to Public Access America. His name is Jeffrey. My name is Jason. And uh, we're here. We're a podcast that advocates. If you want to know what we advocate for, go ahead and check us out on Twitter at Public Access Pod. Find our podcast anywhere you find your favorite podcast, even Spotify, and find our live stream, Noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on YouTube for now. But maybe somewhere else later <laughs> we're just gonna we're gonna be waiting for our, our guest he had a he had a meeting scheduled an out the hour before that so his hour ends when our starts so i don't know how long it's going to be but i can't imagine he's going to wait a whole hour you know what i mean mm, that's true and i am so excited the last the last time dan and you just had a chance to like be ferraris roaring on the highway I loved it. That was a great episode. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Every time we get Dan on is always a fun one. Yeah. Now um, I want to give a shout out to the loner podcast. Check her out um, on Twitter at loner podcast one. She has a, a new podcast and it's about like spooky stuff and dreams. And I'm going to be on there talking about my ghost experiences. Ooh, so I'm excited. You got, about you got that spooky. One. Got some spooky happening. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm 51 years old. I got a lot of ghost experiences, and I didn't even remember it until I saw her tweet. And it was like, if anybody has experiences, and I, wow, took me back to times when I, that I've repressed. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No. So the funny one was, uh, Debbie sent me a post on Instagram about the Winchester Mystery House. That's a cool house, right? And so they they posted a, an image that said, "Look what we finally caught," and I mean it was this this black mass hanging out in the hallway. And they're like, "Click on the YouTube link to see the full video," and I was like so excited because I was like, "Oh yeah, this is a really good ghost," and um, it was an edited image, and the yeah. YouTube link was to Rick Astley. Oh man, Winchester House Rick rolled everybody. That sucks. 
I was like, oh my god, I'm so excited. I was like, and then all of a sudden, you know, I click on the link, and I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Because if you ever find yourself like in front of the Winchester house, it will not disappoint. <laughs> mm. Even if there's not a single ghost in there, just they kept building the house to keep the spirits confused. So it's the weirdest sort of house. It's the basis for every mad castle ever out there. You know, I mean, pretty much. Pretty much. But, yeah. Debbie got to tour it here a few years ago. And I guess it was just like it, the energy there was just super intense. Yeah, it would have to be, especially if you're somebody in tune with those kinds of energies, you know, mm-hmm. that has to be just, that has to be weird, you know? Yeah. Shit. I made hummus yesterday. Ooh. Check it hummus. out. I, I got six pounds of fucking garbanzo beans, boiled them, softened them, and just, I went through batch after batch until it came out right. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. Yeah. But at least you probably, at least you probably got it figured out now. That's the thing. And that, that's what I wanted to impress upon people with that story was that I failed and failed and failed again. But then I was like, I reached fuck it. And I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to eyeball the ingredients. I'm going to use what my mother-in-law called love as an ingredient. So I turned on joy Odalocum and I just made it and I opened it. I opened the food processor and I was like, this is perfect. It tastes just like the hummus that I get at the store, only it tastes kind of like pesto because I put pesto in it. Ooh. Right? That's exciting. Yeah. So I don't know. We have this thing going on, oat milk and hummus. Because, mm. you know, the, the chickpea, the garbanzo bean, it, it's mm. in the top two of water-soluble fibers right oh. behind barley. So I can't wait to start working with barley. And that's because of you, because you were talking about barley one episode. And I was like, I got to learn more mm-hmm. about barley. See the shit you do to me? <laughs> what can I say? Barley's an interesting one. I mean, it doesn't just go in beer. Right? And we um, we had some responses. We're just waiting for Dan. We did have some responses concerning our, our last Sunday episode about suicide. And mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of it was advice saying that music really really help people people Mm. that were isolated and alone and feeling those feelings and didn't know what to do with them said they turned to music Mm -hmm. and that that reminded me that's what i did in my depression during a bad time in my life i started just yelling into a microphone you know what i mean and then it just turned into music and so i just wanted to offer that advice to people that Mm -hmm. before you consider suicide maybe consider a career in music you know (laughs) Yeah, uh, and and I mean, it's it's a tool for definitely processing. I mean, that's what I did. I used music a lot, like yeah. between listening and writing and playing. You know, I used music very heavily right um, when I was struggling. So, absolutely cool. something, uh, absolutely something uh, to do for sure. Yeah, a lot of people listen to this. Like, I we've gotten a few this week alone people telling us that they've made major changes in their lives based on just some of our opinions like left situate left bad situations you know i don't want to name any names right now somebody's staying anonymous and i like i like the radical change but i got i want to impress upon people that they should take the baby steps to get there too to ensure that it goes well a lot of people cold turkey shit and then come back to what they know 
because it's a habit. So sometimes creating a habit leading up to a change is just as important as the change itself. But if you're in a shitty situation, get the fuck out of it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like that's yeah. that's one of those things. If it's bad, you just got to fucking book it. I like, agree. Figure out your your exit and make it happen. And you know, there's, you know, everybody's got, you know, the way that they'll figure that out and their tolerance and you know, Aww. the best, the, the thing that you got to do is you just have to, you got to be safe about it. You know, you got to figure mm-hmm. out what's going to be the safest option for you. Agreed. Hi, Kai. She wants to know who the host of the loner podcast is. It's Alicia. I'll send you a link to it. Cause I'm having a hard time finding the <laughs> podcast itself. It's on Spotify. That's where I got it, but I'll send you the link for it. Fantastic. So, yeah. And so what's been going on in your days? Oh, let's see. Um, I mean, mostly work. I'm yeah. always busy with work. Okay. Like it's just kind of one of those things. But uh, I did get to meet someone new, and we we were uh, we've been chatting, got to hang out and see each other last night. It was a lot of fun. So I, like I love yeah. conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. We forget about it. Like I get that question all the time. What are we going to talk about? And I never have that question. I just always dive in. You know what I mean? <laughs> You know, and, and, and that's one of those things, like, you know, it's, it's great to like dive into some, you know, stuff, you know, especially like, you know, with the kind of life that, you know, I lead, it's, mm-hmm. it's always, it's always kind of like this new and exciting frontier to, to just kind of find out where, you know, relationships with people go. So, yeah, no, I totally yeah. agree with that. I love that. I'm just, so, I'm, I'm introverted. And that's the mm-hmm. weird thing with me is that I'm introverted. So for me, it's like I can waste an hour being all anxious about this conversation or just dive in, get it over with, and then be like, all right, I don't know what happened. You know? <laughs> that's yeah, that's fair. So that's I'm, absolutely fair. Everybody, everybody reacts the way they react to conversation. I didn't want to, I didn't want to piss anybody off like that. Right. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I, the weather's really good. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where the conversation with Dan is going to go. So I really don't want to like start any major like discussions, but here's something that I wanted to ask you, but I don't, I don't know how to do it. I don't want, I don't want, I don't know. Just do it. Just do it. Just ask it. So do you think that being an academic gives you an advantage in being empathetic overall? No, actually, it, uh, I don't think it does. Okay. Um, the reason I say that yeah, is... See, Judy. <laughs> the reason I say that is, is that it, it's highly dependent um, on what you do and what you study. Right. So, for example, you know, I can... Uh, here we go. Here's, here's a couple of great uh reasons why like one way one uh, one and the other so mm-hmm. for example like looking at uh when you look at like the issues around whether or not people of color are disproportionately affected by law enforcement i mean when you look at you look at the uh, population and you look at the doj's own data you know compared to the population of you know the united states itself the makeup of in which of uh, who is actually going to be you know who you would think should be in jail if you were to go based on like uh, percentages, right. you should have more white people in jail. But the reality is, is that you have more black people in jail. And when you look at who that who is affected by it disproportionately, it's younger black men who are more likely to be jailed than anybody else. 
So, you know, in that realm, you can be empathetic to a cause and be like, yeah, something's wrong here. Now, on the other side of things, um, the, the empathy for people, I would say, this is a great example of a recent one is, you know, data surrounding people dying from COVID and what, what non-vaccination versus post-vaccination versus post-booster or post-infection looks like and, and long hauler syndrome, what that looks like without vaccination, with vaccination, with booster. And you can look at all of that. And even though you have empathy for people and you don't want to see them suffer in the academic realm, when you see that the data clearly says, hey, all of these things help reduce the possibility of long COVID and all of these things help reduce the possibility of death and people don't choose that route, it's very easy academically to go, well, it sucks to be dumb and it sucks to be misinformed. It sucks to be... <laughs> and, 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 and that's that's what makes it really tough. So I would say mm -hmm. that I, I would I would make the argument that, you know, being an academic, depending on what your field of study is, might lead you to be more empathetic. Okay. Um, the my field, I would say no. My field leads more towards understanding data and yeah. understanding pulling the emotion out of it. Right. And really just looking at what 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 you're doing, what and what the results are. Okay. So um, I would say that you know if you were an academic in social sciences, absolutely it would it would make you a more empathetic person. Okay. Um, but perhaps somebody who is, you know, like in my realm, that might not necessarily be the case. We had a there was a comment on Twitter that that asked the question: How can Lauren Bobert? be a representative when she doesn't have a high school diploma. And I, and my answer was because a barrier of education alone shouldn't be a determining factor. Is she a human garbage bag? Yes. Is she a human garbage bag because she isn't educated? No. And Judy came back at me with like, if she was educated, she'd be more empathetic. And I think there's, there's people that learn from experience and mm -hmm. they, they desert, they have a certain wisdom. I think I'm that person, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then there's academics who tend to leave empathy at a door to collect the data. You can't go into the data and go, I have an empathy towards Muslim people alone. And you want to skew mm -hmm. the data and look for it. Right. You know, you have to leave that at the door, but at some point you have to come back and put your empathy into action, your education into action, as mm -hmm. well as somebody like me that's learned years of experience, I should put that into educating myself specifically in the ways that I've learned through wisdom that I use. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, I, think it, I think it's a combination of the two of us that makes us different. You know what well, I mean? And, 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 I, and that's the thing about, I would, I would say that when it comes to like data collection, for example, like oftentimes the, the sample that you think you are going to collect on versus mm -hmm. the sample that you get results from right. heavily skews your information and, or sometimes the questions that you ask are, you know, for one group of people are just fine and normal, but for another group of people, they're, you know, callous or offensive or any other number of things and so there is always a you know there can always be some empathy in how you 
go about trying to get the data, uh-huh. but the data itself is without empathy. It's like I mean, this you, is what it is. You're 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 wanting the data is the empathy part, but I think what mm-hmm. the the data you collect. If you give it to the right people, that tells us who to be empathetic to in, in the situation that we're looking at. Like, like we always talk about mm-hmm. homelessness and I say, yeah, there's out of 21,000 homeless mm-hmm. people in Washington state, 5,000 of them are chronic. So mm-hmm. your data would tell us the largest subset to work on first until mm-hmm. we can dwindle it down to the chronic people and then help them. So that's what the data mm-hmm. does instead of just being advocates on the ground, opening a store and helping as many people as walk in, but they don't know where you are. You know what I mean? Exactly. And and I, I would argue that it's the people with the greatest empathy that are going to take that data and they're going to do the most good with it. You know, very right. like, you know, and, and I would say academically so. Right. And um, then it just boils down to the communication, which Dan is really a fan of, you know, how to oh, communicate, yeah. how to communicate what you all know to the people that can spread that better. You know what I mean? Right. And, and, and that's, I think one of the things that mo- people don't tend to think about a whole lot is just how much really goes into like trying to do a study and trying yeah. to, you know, cause I would make the argument that, you know, with with uh with an empathy towards a specific response that's how you end up getting bias in your data because you're looking mm-hmm. you're looking for confirmation bias right whereas whereas you know when you just synthesize the question without emotion and collect the data without emotion mm-hmm. I, I would also argue that in a lot of ways that sometimes leads to you know, your data, your, what you collect being fairly emotionless and that can be good or bad. It just kind of depends on what you're trying to do. Like, like, for example, if you're looking for a series of yes, no answers, you know, obviously you're not looking for a whole lot of emotion, but like, you know, one of the research methods is getting open-ended questions and get people talking, find out what keywords people are using. That's right. That's right. Having, having a cold, having cold questions don't lead towards um, getting large fulfilling answers that right. you know you can then uh, go in and analyze and and the way that people analyze um, you know like open-ended questions the way that they tag certain words and the way that they use certain tax, uh, taxonomies in order to you know sort out what the emotion is what the feeling is it's it's it, it's 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 so cool to see right but it's a lot of work and it is absolutely something where it's like you have to be very careful about what it is you're trying to get because you know even then you don't want to you don't want to skew you you don't want to have the question intentionally skew towards a specific answer like, like God, if you that's get, my life is trying to oh, trying to figure out the question so somebody won't react and give me the answer they think i want you know what exactly. I mean? or and expect something from my question you know what i mean or 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 give whatever the the copy paste political answer is like right. I need you know I need you to actually use your brain and tell me what it is you're thinking what you're feeling what you're going into that's right and so it's it's definitely very tough in that you know you can end up like you can just end up with a bunch of biased junk and that's just not useful but that's you could right. also end up with a lot of stuff that help you better refine the question later and then be like, well, 
you know, in terms of data gathering, this was a bust, but I think I know how to refine the question. Yeah. I think if a pollster calls me and says, what's your number one concern with America? You know, I'm going to have an answer, but if we have a long form conversation with Jeffrey and I, for an hour, you're going to find out that maybe that answer isn't the accurate answer, you know? And mm -hmm. I, what I keep saying on Twitter is that we need to know what people are dealing with so that we know what to talk about. Otherwise we're just, we're just throwing darts at stories on Twitter. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? If people would tell us what the issues are, then maybe we could get somebody on here to talk about them. We have Jeffrey and Dan coming up and they have more degrees than a thermometer. You know what I mean? And so <laughs> If people aren't, if they're not asking, if they're not asking us to ask them the questions, I don't know what to do with them. It's like having right. empty semis going back and forth across the country. I got these great brains together and we're looking to get more, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So and that's what we need to do. And I need to know what people want to talk about. So, mm -hmm. but I know, I know, I know people are tired of the political perspective, the political language. You know, oh, absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. And, and, you know, you just, you look at the way that people are interacting with news stories, the way that, you know, the media keeps cop, you know, control C control V on yeah. whatever, you know, line has to be said or, you know, whatever politician, you know, tries to get in a few buzzwords. So that way they can get their, you know, Twitter mentions on a YouTube clip of so right. so owns the blank and, it's like, oh, God, is this all it is? This is idiocracy entirely. And it doesn't lead to any sort of solution finding. No. It's just back and forth online dick measuring. Pretty much. Pretty much. And, and I want to so get under that. I want to get under that. I want to get beyond you wanna that. You want to get under that? I want to get under that dick. I want to get under that. Under that conversation. You know what I mean? I think if the people start talking about shit that matters, then the conversation up there will change. And I've seen that happen oh, absolutely. In, in a number of ways that I just can't explain it, that we've touched on things that grow into mm -hmm. things, you know? What well, I mean? And, you know, and, and part of the, part of the, something that you kind of touched on, you know, people are emotional creatures. And, and like, for example, when you ask a question, like what's the, your number one issue with America right now, we're influenced by that emotion. You know, you could have had, you could have had a run in with someone that day. Um, exactly. And, and that would influence your answer. You know, so much like you said, you know, in a long form conversation, you, you might come to find out that the answer that you got, what's your number one issue in America, you know, and you get X answer and, and you sit down and you have a conversation with someone. So tell me what, tell me what your issues, your number one issues are in America. Right. And, people will start talking about, you know, what they're thinking, what they're feeling. And you can start to see where people spend the most amount of time mm -hmm. talking about specific issues. So they might say, Oh, homelessness is my issue. But then when you get them in long form conversation, it might be, you know, the fact that um, affordable housing is really the issue that they have because, right. you know, they might be struggling and, you know, it's not necessarily that, you know, they ran into somebody who was homeless, but that they themselves are afraid that, you know, they're one paycheck, they're one missed paycheck away from ending up on the street. There's, a, there's a saying, we're all five steps away from dead. Yeah. So or five mistakes from, you know, death. <laughs> or one big one. Right.
Yeah, like, I get like, my, like a friend of mine who who was EOD, and you know, for the army. And I'm like, dude, how in the hell do you deal with you know the fact that you know you could just get blown up? He goes, well, either I'm going to save the day or it ain't going to be my problem much longer. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> My nephew is in Afghanistan. He's the kid that used to unpile the rocks off the um, improvised explosives in the road, you know? And yeah, that kid came oh, back hard, hard in the yard, you know? <laughs> right. So the thing is, is what you're saying is we were emotional and we attacked the problem that we're, we're feeling, that we're told. But in a long form conversation, what you might, might find out is that a solution to your issue might be a solution to a multiple range of issues affecting you. Mm -hmm. Instead of looking at the spark, I see it as like a campfire and then a spark. And we're all like, oh my God, there's a spark when we should be putting the big fire out. So like a living wage that takes care of a lot of inequality. Right. So I always mm -hmm. see that. Um, a better education for our kids mm -hmm. means that America will get better because they'll know to expect more. That's mm -hmm. what I think of. And I think that gets rid of homelessness just to, uh, in a more long-term way, you know, mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, somebody might complain about, um, you know, whether or not, you know, a certain group of people is taking their job opportunities and, and, you know, you have to, you, you have to dig in. Is there probably something racist there? Maybe. There Maybe. might be a pretty good chance of that, or, you know, if you have a long form conversation, perhaps they're working in a dying industry that they feel absolutely sunk into and that they have, you know, like this, this sunk cost of, I've got to stay in this industry. This is all I know. This is, this has been my life for 20 mm -hmm. plus years and I don't have any sort of ability to change careers or find something similar in my area or you know be able to do any number of things and we come to find out that you know, the problems are often more nuanced than we want to think that they are because we tend to have knee-jerk reactions to certain subjects and right. sometimes yeah you're in the right you know it's it's very clear what's happening and but sometimes there's more nuance to it than we you know we want to admit and and that's where that's where setting up your questions to be able to get long form answers really helps you dive in because you will find i'm sure you will find elements of you know something that is going to absolutely disgust and gross you out but the more you dig in, the more that you start to find that there are other issues at hand that, you know, you might be able to address instead. So like for the person who is concerned about their industry dying out, you know, what if they had the ability to go and train into a similar industry? So that way they're taking 75% of the skills that they already have and know and, and use but you're adding a new set of tools to the toolbox and suddenly they can be in a new industry perhaps making more money than they are currently. Yeah. And, Ohio, right? And Mic you're able to... Microprocessors, microchips, they're going to be right? making those, yeah. Right. And and that's the thing is, is like there is there are so many different possibilities out there, but without sitting down and, you know, not looking for the answer that you want. Because, I mean, I guarantee you, you, you know, if you're looking to find out, is it just racist people who don't, you know, want change, you know, you'll find that answer. I mean, there's no question about it. 
you go looking for something very specific, you're going to get confirmation bias. But yeah. if you're trying to figure out a general, a larger question, a, a larger answer to a, a, a fairly complex question, you have, I mean, you have to have the quantitative and you have to have the qualitative and you have to be able to cross reference those two. And through that, you start to get better answers and better information. Mm. And and that's where, you know, unfortunately, sometimes what you end up finding out is, yeah, sometimes the data is just gross and you're like, well, shit, there's nothing I can do with this because it's yeah. unfortunately what I was afraid of. And sometimes you get different answers. You get more robust answers, you know, and things that you can actually work with. And and so that's where it's, you know, in my field of study, that's where it gets really difficult to be able to, you know, sit down and actually have that you know, yeah. go f figure out what the question and the answer are because one can royally screw up the other. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's the problem. If you don't include everything, something is going to throw you off. I think when I think about it, I think about a barbecue table with a various degrees and colors of the same age group. Like if you put 10, 50 year old people at a table together, they're going to have the exact same issues despite color or gender. I think if you put, I think if you put 10, 20 year olds at a table, they are going to have similar complaints. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, I don't think what I think it is, is that somebody's telling us we need to fight amongst ourselves to get ahead before mm -hmm. everybody else does. When mm -hmm. the truth is, is if we all work together, we would get higher. You know what I mean? And right. so I, I don't I think a racist is just somebody that wants theirs first and then they're happy if somebody else gets less than them. Uh, you know yeah, I, mean? I wouldn't necessarily say that. I would I would definitely the majority say of racists. There's some that just hate the color of somebody, you know what I mean? But I think most passive like the immigration thing, I don't think it has anything to do with brown people pouring into the country as much as it is. I've been told that they're going to get something because they work harder and I'm going to get less because I don't want to work as hard. You know what I mean? And or, so or, you know, they, you know, or the feeling that they're just going to be given something that's not given to me. Right, right, right. And, so and, let's drag them down instead of trying to be better. You know, and, and, and that's the, and then you have the, and that's where, you know, you start with, you know, when you find out what that information is, it's okay. So what is it that, what is it that they can get that right. is going to make sense? You know, what is it that they can get that is not necessarily going to lean towards this idea of unfairness, but that, you know, there is a process, there is something that they have to go through and right. that, you know, realistically, there are just some things that they're not going to be able to fulfill, you know, right. for example, um, you know, my cohort uh, in master school was predominantly Indian and Chinese. And, you know, did I, was I like, wow, there's a bunch of Indian and Chinese people here and, you know, blah, blah, blah. No. I mean, population wise, you know, think about it. You have two countries that combined have over 2 billion people. Mm -hmm. I mean, realistically, you know, there's a good chance that a significant part of, you know, what is a world-class program is going to have a lot of different ethnicities in it. I would hope so. But they I had to compete. So. They had to compete on the same level that I did mm -hmm. in order to get into the program. Right. So, you know, 
the idea that somebody is given something I'm not is, you know, that's not a thing because we all had to compete in the exact same way. Right. And that competition was very difficult. And on on the other end of the spectrum, if you're on a road crew, like Adam, if you're in a warehouse, like I used to be, on the front line of that is multiracial. You know what I mean? Like in those warehouses, in those road crews, um, stocking at Walmart, it's all multi-diverse, you know? And it's, Absolutely. it's people having opinions. I have, I know somebody that says, I don't like black people because my history, historical interactions with them have been bad. So when I walk around with him, and we have a good interaction with another race, I say, are you going to put that on the list? You know what I mean? Like you just, well, help, I mean, and that's the that is, lady's baby and she thanked you. Is that a good thing now? Are you going to suddenly feel better about that race? You know, well, you know, I mean, like by, by, by that metric, you know, Debbie and I, you know, would, you know, if, if the, if it was, oh, my interactions with that race, you know, have uh-huh. historically been bad. Debbie and I wouldn't like white people at all. That's what I'm saying about it. I've been screwed because over by more white people than any other race. Exactly. And but then <laughs> it's like now let's look at the bias behind that. And yeah. where I grew up was like 99% white. That's <laughs> so, right. So and, and that's where it's like, okay, you know, that that whole line is bullshit and you have to call that bullshit. Right. Because depending on where you're at, you know, your interactions are gonna be different. You know, for example, like when I was in, in uh when I was in Phoenix, like my neighbors were just amazing. You know, large Mexican family. I had a lot of fun. Right. And it, you know, so it, it, does that mean that because I had this great interaction that it's all good? No, just like a great interaction with a white person doesn't mean all of all of it's good. It's, you know, right. You have to, you have to treat the individual as the individual in, in these cases. And yeah. you're going to find out that, you know, assholes are universal. It doesn't matter where you're at. We all know people who are assholes across the entire spectrum. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I'm not going to deal with them anymore because that's, that's what they're doing isn't cool. But maybe, maybe if you leave different races out of the American experience and only give them part of it, 10, 20, 30%, they're not going to be qualified for the other 80% because they're living their life fully in that 20%. And you're living in the 100%. So if you have an interaction to sell or buy a phone, then yeah, there's going to be a cultural difference there because they're, they're surviving under the radar. Whereas you get the benefits of doing this interaction legitimately, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So people have to think about that. You know, I have a lot of friends that choose to live under the radar so that Mm -hmm. law doesn't pick them up because it's, it's dumbass laws, you know, Uh, drug dealers, um, sex professionals. I have friends that do all that stuff. And if you were to meet them, their life would seem totally foreign to you because they live with a different set of rules, but they're Mm -hmm. still awesome people, you know, they're survivors. Right. And, and then you have the greater question of, you know, whatever they're doing, why is it that they can't do what they're doing in the light mm-hmm. versus, you know, you know, what, what laws have been put on the books to make it so that way they can't do what they do. Right. And you have to look at the historical fact, like there's a great, there's, there's a, there's a great history on, you know, how Seattle was essentially built on sex workers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's absolutely amazing. And 
then you start to see all of these laws creep in because all of these seamstresses were making more money than the you know than the businessmen right and that that just couldn't happen and it's bullshit you but know then, let's go back to that point and ask why it couldn't happen why they were afraid that women would have more success and power in the end than them in a certain area at a certain time you know and that's and that's the thing is it's like uh oh it, it's did we just start like um gender how do you call it critical gender theory see <laughs> oh, Christ EGT ow that just made my head hurt <laughs> oh god nice another burnt yeah. toast moment from public oh, god, access I'm having America. a stroke I'm having a stroke it hurts Sorry. No. oh speaking of that so uh, Debbie found radical monogamy and that is Debbie's career by the way she did no she, Debbie's career yeah. is not radical monogamy <laughs> no it's it's gender the, gender gender yeah, education yeah. yeah 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 but it was hilarious because there was this post about there's apparently this deep sea fish that the way that they mate is essentially they meld together permanently nice wow and so Debbie was showing me this and it's like what the fuck it's like yeah apparently when you find somebody in the deep you just completely meld into them and i'm like <laughs> i just look over and I go is this radical monogamy and yeah. i thought debbie was gonna fucking choke <laughs> i just want a marriage license that allows me to renew it every day every morning do i want to renew this <laughs> you know what i mean oh god i'd end up forgetting mm. and me then too we'd be like <laughs> yeah like i know i know me it'll be the one time that i'm like you know still like half asleep and i'm not paying attention and i'm like trying to run out the door get the kids out and oh hey you forgot to renew that that's fine this bomb will uh, explode in one hour <laughs> yeah all right I'm okay. uh, yeah hold, yeah know. let me get my coffee on desk first meanwhile it's like you know the bomb takes an hour and 20 minutes to diffuse and i'm waking up late going fuck <laughs> i don't know um in a marriage, I saw no difference in the end between, um, I don't know, some religious connection and just being there for a friend. You know, in the end, yeah. it was just being there for a friend until there was no friend left to be there for. So, right. I don't, I don't know. I just don't see marriage the way other people see it. So, I, but neither do you, and neither does yeah. Devi, and neither yeah. does anybody else. You know what I mean? And that's the great thing. I just. Mm -hmm. I'm one of the questions I had from last episode that I put as a promotion was who's defining marriage. You know what I mean? And why do they get to that really irritates me. I think it's my choice, my life, my marriage, you know? Well, and, and, and I've had this conversation in the past. It's like, you know, if you have, if you have a Christian religion that says only a man and a woman shall be married, but you also have a Christian religion that says, no, cool. We'll marry and you know, any two consenting and, uh, uh, any two consenting adults or any two adults with the ability to consent mm -hmm. or whatever, like who's, who's in the right there. Like when you look at, when you look at the way the law is written in this country anyways, you know, a lot of people view religion uh, or view marriage as a religious, uh, act <laughs> so if one church says yes and another church says no who is the government to dictate which one's correct wow I, like down here on tinder it's it's this is what i'm lacking this is what you have to fill what i'm lacking so it's convenient for us to be together because together we're one 
complete person. <laughs> we can do we can do what one normal person does, but we're both fallible right. in these ways. You know, it's not love. Right. It's not this soul connection with people that, you know, it's a commitment. If you commit to somebody so hard that you're just theirs, you're going to have that connection and it's mm -hmm. going to turn into jealous stalking. You know what I mean? That's what that turns into because people go on their ways. I think a relationship needs to reach the point of boredom. That means you're perfect at it and you can now fulfill yourself and become a better, bigger, fuller person. You know, like you're not, you're, I'm not using Jeffrey to fill, fulfill my life i'm a complete person and jeffrey's this add-on to it you know what i mean mm -hmm. absolutely so that whole you've got to be happy with yourself before you're happy with somebody else right i've you had know, so it, many relationships where somebody says are you happy and i'm like no you no all right bye you know that's how it ends is this working for you no what yeah. about you no all right, right well but, uh, you know, but then you also get, you know, I've had those relationships too, where it's like, I swear, it's like a grudge match. It's like one of us right. is going to try and make the other quit first. And it's like, that's mm -hmm. not good. That's not healthy. And, and that's kids being fucking stupid. And, yeah, that, that was my teen and 20s. But eventually yeah. I just realized it was so much easier just to go by than it was to go, all right, right. I'm going to make her hate me. You know? Right. <laughs> it's, it's so much easier to have the open conversation. Hey, is this still working for you? You know, yeah. is there something I can do to help? Is there something I can do to help make this, you know, work better? You know, what can I change? And mm. then, you know, have that conversation about your own needs and like, uh, the moment you stop talking is the moment that stuff starts to slide and you know mm -hmm. i can't i'm not going to sit here and claim that you know I, i'm a i'm a master at it because Debbie will <laughs> laugh me out of the house and and that's and i mean it's just you know some sometimes i'm better at it than than other times sometimes i'm more attentive at it than other mm -hmm. times and you know, I get it wrong a lot of times. And that's that just, goes back you know, to what you were just saying earlier in the conversation to where we're affect, we're emotional people affected by the day's events, the month's events, the year's events, and mm -hmm. the triggers from our past. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, if I'm on a date and a girl drinks two drinks, I'm like, I hate you because I don't like alcoholics. And I, she might not even be an alcoholic. I'm just like, I don't like you. you know? <laughs> right. You know, so mm. it's, 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 it's just people have emotional responses to different things. And number one, it's, it's our duty to figure out what our emotional issues are and not push them on others. That's right. And, and, and I say that as somebody who, you know, it's, it's easier said than done a lot of times. And you, number two, you just, you have to do the work and sometimes you suck at doing the work and, and sometimes, you know, you let life get in the way for a while and then you sit there and go, yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely get back to this. And then you don't get back to it. Right. And you have to get back to it, you know, and it's like I've I've had a, I had to take a break from therapy for a little bit because my schedule went fucking wonky. Mm. Um, I'm and, sorry about that. And and unfortunately, it started to show that I really needed to be back in therapy. Yeah. But I've gotten, you know, my appointment scheduled and, you know, it's time to get back to some self-care and, you know, start digging in on a lot of these, you know, a lot more issues that I have to dig in on. That's yeah, just it, you know. I just realized, uh, like, with telehealth, I can actually get, like, mental health, mm -hmm. you know, uh, over the... Oh, 
on my devices. So why wouldn't, why wouldn't I just check in with somebody once a week, you know, not that I have anything major, but I do think I'm like a little left of humans. I, I think I'm a little different than a lot of people. And I'd like, I'd like somebody to rationalize that for me, you know? You know, whether it's, you know, once, whether it's once a week, you know, I mean, when I started going back to therapy, it was once a week and then it was once every two weeks. And then, you know, where we were at once every three weeks, but sometimes I'd have to cancel and push it back a week just because the schedule was weird. But now it's like, I'm going to be scheduling like actual time off. So that way I can actually sit down and and do the work that I need to do. Um, Mm. And have time afterwards that where I'm not like, okay, I got my ass kicked. Now I need to go back to work. You know, it's, I'm going to get my ass kicked and then I'm going to sit down and, you know, actually get back, try and, and, and actually dig into, you know, what I'm thinking and feeling. Right. You can't complain about life unless you're doing things to proactively change yourself. You know, I always say, if you want to change the world, start with yourself, make yourself better, you know? Right. And, and that's the other thing too, is, is like, you know, like I've, I've noticed some changes in myself too. And it's like, Mm. okay, well let's, let's start, let's start getting some stuff figured out because, you know, I can't be unhappy about all these different things and, you know, try to rationalize it as, Oh, it's this thing. Oh, it's this thing. Oh, it's this thing. And when you start looking at the list, it's like, Oh shit, it's me. (laughs) Right. It's my problem with all this stuff. Yeah, and and so then it's just uh you know because it's like I've been trying like I've been trying to figure that out with some of my own shit. It's like, you know, it's like I've been feeling this way, I've been feeling this way, I've been feeling this way, and it's this thing, and it's this thing, and it's this thing. It's like, no, I've been feeling. So the question, you know, I've had to dig into is, you know, is my medicine still working effectively? You know, Mm. do I need to be doing some things different in order? Is your nutrition and and exercise routine affecting? your medications lack of lack of exercise uh-huh. routine i mean uh, like once we're done with the podcast today i'm uh moving some stuff around in the living room and i'm bringing our elliptical into the house nice. uh, because you know i've got to stop being lazy about it and i need to start you know spending some actual time you know on this thing and and getting my heart in better shape because i me too I, like I've, I've noticed, I've no, like, especially being on medication, like there's some things that I've noticed and I'm like, I've got to get better with this. And, mm. you know, I'm lucky to have somebody like Debbie who cares about, you know, my health as well and says, Hey dude, what the fuck? Yeah. It's like, I'm worried about you. Stop fucking around with this. A lot. Like, God but- damn it. You're right. I need to not fuck around with this. I noticed a lot when it comes to medication that my diet drastically affects it to where like thick carbs will actually suck in the medication. So I get less of it, but then when they're going through my body, it disperses it differently. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's like when I added, it sounds stupid. When I added fiber to my diet, my medications began working better. When I added more water to my diet, they started working correctly. You know what I mean? Well, and, and that doesn't surprise me. And then you've got other, you've got other factors. Like for example, you know, medication is based on a specific weight range is uh-huh. where they yeah, figure yeah, out yeah. that it's most effective. So like, for example, if, if the medication was really effective, you know, 50 pounds ago for me and it's not effective now, 
you know, there's a number of things that you can look at, you know, is it the weight? Is it mm -hmm. the, you know, is it my metabolism? Is it, is it, is it, and you have to go through the line, but there, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do a change yeah. to help find out if it's really, you know, the medication or if it's just, you, you know, the fact mm -hmm. that your body is doing what it's doing because, you know, a, you not taking care of it properly. Yep. by me. Um, so it's like that was one of those things like I, I never thought about was the fact that medication, the way that medication is dosed is based on specific weights. And I was like, right. oh, shit, of mm -hmm. course, that would make sense. You know, <laughs> it's, it's all of that stuff. I think it's just fascinating that we don't put more thought into the stuff we do for right. ourselves, you know, like, so we were talking about relationships and I honestly think my my philosophy is is if you think about me i'll think about you in a relationship but if you start mm -hmm. thinking about you then i have to think about me because nobody else is and to get back to a relationship that works you have to selflessly begin thinking about somebody and create a routine that shows them that you are so they can trust thinking about you again because you're not doing it just to get them to you know what i mean so mm -hmm. That's how to fix a relationship. And I think I lost my trail after that. <laughs> I just think it's exciting. I think we should think more about ourselves. We should have more self-care. Oh, here it was. You were talking about the elliptical. And I think you just, like I was saying, don't make these cold turkey maneuvers, but get on the elliptical for a minute. And it's going to seem so stupid, but never do less. You know what I mean? Because then the next day you're going to be like, all right, I'm going to do two minutes. But then the next day you're going to be like, oh, I got, I got three. And then eventually you're going to be like, wow, I got to do 20 minutes, but I can, you know what I mean? Instead of I'm going to try 20 minutes till I burn myself out and hate this and never do it again. Public access America. It's always funny because like, especially because as you know, libertarians, we get a ton of shit, even amongst other libertarians. I think political philosophy is a lot like religion and where there's moments you have to go on faith and trust what somebody else is saying. The main the main focus is it's like less dependence on the government because, well, we've seen how that's gone. And you don't have to do that if you think about it in a human way. You know, more dependence on connections with each other. You can always bring it back to what would one human do for another? What would a hundred do for a hundred? People looking out for people. Find Public Access America anywhere you find your favorite podcast every Sunday and Thursday. And join the chat on YouTube at Public Access America every Sunday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Communities looking out for community. Public Access America. History History in the making, making history in the making, in the making, in the making, in the making, in the making. Right, and and that's one of the things. Like you know, what I'm going to be, you know, start out with is is like, you know, realistically, it's like I need to get on there for ten minutes. I need to get my heart going, you know, and it's it's not going to be like a, you know, I'm going to jump on this thing and start fucking sprinting. Right, your ankles got to get used to it. Your knees got to get used to your it. Your legs you know? got to get your leg muscles got to get used yeah. to it. You know, and on top of that, it's like, you know, even with my heart, it's like I've, you know, my heart's got to get used to it. It's like I can't just jump on there and push it as hard as I can. I'll end up right. falling off the fucking thing. And it's just yeah. it's like anything else, you know, you're building your muscles back. And so it's going to take a little bit of time in order mm -hmm. for you to, 
get back in that routine. I'm going to get off that elliptical. And my legs are going to be like, you know, I'm going to look like I'm Elvis for a second, you know, right. just got that whole lot of shaking going on. But then you're going to be sore and you're going to have to wait, you know, like it, I felt so stupid doing one push up, but then I was so irritated when I had to do 20, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and I told my you friend, know. I was like, take one step out the door and never do less. He's walking 10 miles a day now. You know what that's, I mean? That's awesome. He's lost 63 pounds. He's in a different shirt size. He's feeling better about himself. He's got, you know, I mean, he's more positive and it's just, mm -hmm. and he started with just a step, you know? Right. And, and like, for me, like, you know, what I want to do is I want to start trying to get my heart in shape. Uh, mm -hmm. A friend of ours is actually, he, he's just opened up his own gym and my goal is to get my heart feeling um, good enough in a better place to where I can go sign up at his gym and actually start right. lifting again, because I loved lifting Me and too. It, it's, it's where I feel better, but my heart being what it is right now, it's like, you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I need to have some motivation. Like mm. it's kind of, it's kind of like that whole, like the way that I establish routines is, is probably a little weird and foreign. So like I'll change one thing and right. I'll, I will work through that change until it's just normal. And then I'll change another thing and I'll just keep with that until that feels normal. And then I'll change another thing and I'll keep with that until that feels normal. Right. And, and that's how I make changes that stick. So like, for example, I've had sugar and, and creamer in my coffee every day since I was probably fucking 13, 14 years old. And about uh, two months ago, I was just like, I got to quit putting all this fucking sugar in my stuff. This isn't good for me. Right. And so I'm like, all right, well, we're going to start by having the amount of, you know, creamer and sugar I put in. And so I did that. And then I started getting rid of the sugar part of it. And I did that. And then finally, you know, but then I replaced all of that sugar with creamer. So I was like, well, shit, that didn't work the way that I right. So I'm like, nope, we're just going to cut the creamer out altogether. And you're just going to drink black coffee. Oh, I actually like it. If I got quality coffee, yeah, there's some quality coffees I could drink. Oh, well. yeah, yeah, but yeah. Not, not Folgers, not Max. Oh, Wallace. Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, drinking drinking just plain old ass black Folgers. Oh, right. God. And see me, no. I, went, I went out and I bought organic oat milk creamer. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm just switching. But then it was like, it's, it, it's, un, it's separated and you can't get the right amount you know what i mean so it was like i was irritated with it with mm -hmm. the product not the quality right. so i used to bite my fingernails since i was like mm -hmm. eight and i just one day decided don't bite this fingernail you know and then when i stopped biting that one i was like just stop biting that one and that one and then it was a whole hand and then like five years later i don't bite my nails anymore yeah debbie debbie stopped biting their nails and like i don't know like how how they catalyze that change like if mm -hmm. it was like you said where you're like don't bite that fingernail right but their nails look great now and that you know? yeah i took pride dude i started like putting nail polish on my nails i was like these things yeah. look good and i don't want to ruin them so i put clear polish on them because when i would go to pick at it i'd be like nope you know, or you right. I put black polish on and i was like i don't want to mess the black up you know what i mean because and like I yeah. For, a, for a blind guy to use nail polish is incredibly difficult. <laughs> just got to dip the whole finger in. Yeah. And then just clean the finger once it all dries. Right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so a woman that would like, just do my nails for me, I'd be so happy. But yeah, I just, cause I never, I never knew 
what to do with my nails. I asked somebody on another podcast, Brittany, I was like, how do you, how is a man supposed to file his nails? What are they supposed to look like? Cause I don't know. I'm, I'm blind. I can't see people's nails. So I can't judge what you mine never, should look like. And you never did it before. Right. And my dad was never, or my mom never taught me, Hey, your nails look like this. Here's how you do it. You know? And that's why we do just the tip is because I want some of those just stupid basic things so that a kid growing up goes, Oh, shave down. Otherwise I'm going to look like an idiot. (laughs) I don't know. Cause I never did. So I don't know what it would look like if you just started by shaving down (laughs) and obviously you don't either, but what would your beard look like if you shaved up your whole pubescent career, you know? Oh God. All I know is, is that my, my face does not like shaving at all. (laughs) It's, it's unfortunate. I just, it, it never has. Mm. So growing a beard out was one of the better things that happened because then my face was, my face stopped having significant issues. Um, yeah, it didn't matter what razor I used, what, whether I did, you know, like the, the bare bone stuff that, you know, didn't have, you know, you know, that was chemical free and all this, it never mattered what I did. I mean, even like, even with Debbie, Debbie would, do straight razor shaves and Debbie uses all the best stuff in my skin right. fucking hates it. Hmm. And I so like, it. I just, you know, for me, it's just, it's just gotta be close. I can't, you know, I can't do actual shaves and that's, well, that sucks. That's cool. But, but how do you, like, how do you great. I don't have to straight razor it. Also, I, I also apparently look like a creeper if I don't have a beard and no, that's wrong. Um, that's wrong. Cause I did stalk you on Instagram to find out if that was you. And yeah, I saw a picture of you with no, with no beard. Yeah. You're, you're pretty fucking hot. Yeah. That's cool. I think, I, I mean, I, I understand. I look it. like a creeper because no beard and, and you know, blisters and pock marks and redness. That's what I get on my neck when I shave, you know, that doesn't look attractive either. So that's fine. But I mean, how do you, how do you handle your beard so that it doesn't constantly itch? Well, I mean, what is, what's some, Hey, Jeffrey, just the mm-hmm. tip. Give me a just the tip. Give me some beard tips because they 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 go everywhere. Oh. I don't know how to maintain it and keep oh, it oiled and laugh. it itches. So tell uh, me what. Tell me some things you do to survive one, the beard. Number one, wash your fucking beard. Um, you gotta you gotta use you know good soap and water. You got you gotta use beard wash. Beard wash. <laughs> Debbie's like, oh, we fucking use soap on your beard. You notice how I'm throwing little hooks in to get to get them to be here more, right? Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jeffrey, why don't you give me the hairstyling? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Jason, I will give you all of the hairstyling tips. I mean, we and... don't have anybody else. You're the closest thing to an expert when it comes to hairstyling tips. So give me some Debbie hairstyling is, tips. Debbie is like looking at me, kind of like you are. <laughs> looking at their phone and going like no fuck you you're not doing hairstyling tips right no (laughs) just the tip no ask debbie for your beard advice (laughs) here's Basically, it would be like a like if you wanted to read a, a, a book on how to do it wrong I would write that book nice no it's the it's the vice version. It's even worse. <laughs> Next uh, week, we're going to have Jeffrey talk about watercolors or oil painting. 
Oh, fuck that. I am not talking about either of those things. Yeah, what else do you want me to do? Uh, how to how to how to create a magnificent painting? Yeah, yep, not yep, happening. Yep, yep. Here's you want to know what my advice is: find yourself find yourself a good barber and yes. listen to them, not me. That's that's my that's my tip because the reality is is that uh, they're going to know once again that they are going to know more about you know how to help you take care of your beard especially like if you have any number of different skin issues different challenges they're right lean on a professional that knows what the fuck they're talking about not you know in in that regard because i love it that's 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 my tip don't are are just the tip number one for better beard care for men is go to the refined man (laughs) for your advice well yeah but well that's yeah that's that's uh where yeah, Adam no, goes. That yeah, yeah, that's where Adam. Oh, burn. That's you know that's <laughs> that's you know that's 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 Adam's. But uh, yeah. There you go. We're stealing the sponsor. Hey, what Good. about Trail Skate? Go to Trail Skate if you want a better skateboard. And don't forget <sighs> lashes by Jessica. Adam's like Adam if he's listening. He's like, what the fuck, guys? No, no, no I, I love it. Would, I love like, it. Uh. You know, and then of course, you know, Debbie's shop, the stone and steel. That's because that's where they're at. With okay, their, let's give a shout theirs. out then. Wait, then let's do this. Our t- our number one tip for better beer care, bitter, wow, bitter, bitter beard care. Our bitter for bitter, bitter, bitter <laughs> for bitter beard care. Go to now. I lost the name. <laughs> number one tip for better beard care. <laughs> Go to the stone and steel. Love it perfect bitter bared care what the fuck we have so many titles in that episode alone i don't even know what to do thank you for listening to public access america uh we should be coming back right after this to those who would tear the world down we will defeat you this is our moment this is our time to those who seek peace and security we support you yes we can and to all Stitcher, Smart Stitcher, Radio, Smart App, Radio, Radio App, Public, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making.
Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.